Hey legends, welcome back to Hellmouth Hotline. I'm your host, Rodney Stewart, and we're going to get on to uh, Friday the 13th, part 3. Um, this one here for me was... Uh, Alright. <laughs> These movies, um, I kind of recall them. And uh, I remember bits and pieces of them, but I'm, I was never a massive, massive fan of the Freddy the 13th movies. I'm more the the Freddy Krueger sort of fan. But, you know, these are connected to Nightmare on Elm Street. We eventually get Freddy versus Jason. So I wanted to get into these here before we get to that. So, um, part three here, as uh, I did say in the last couple other reviews in the the series of movies it took a while for them to settle on the the style of Jason now a lot of us think of Jason you think of that mask and it wasn't until this movie where he actually gets the mask and I was con fully convinced it was part two but it's not it's part three and uh, yes it is there's no shock here you know, you don't sit down to watch a Friday the 13th movie and ex expect it to be, uh, you know, classical theatre or anything like that. It's just, it is horror bubblegum for the brain at its finest. This one here. Pretty much the, the standard formula once again. You know, people head off to camp for the weekend. They come across Jason and he wrecks all around him, kills people. It's just... It, it does exactly what it says in the tin. <laughs> so this one here follows the event of the night before. A badly injured and unmasked Jason. He goes to the store at a lakefront. Uh, you got to change the clothes and whatnot. And he murders the... The owners of the the store, Harold, and his wife Edna, and Chris Higgins and his group of friends are heading off to Higgins Haven, uh, or her sorry, uh, they're heading off to her old home on Crystal Lake, Higgins Haven, to spend the weekend. The gang includes a pregnant Debbie, her boyfriend uh, Andy. Uh, a prankster called Shelley, and this is the guy that eventually he has this mask with him to scare people. That's his thing. He's a nerd. He's a geek. Uh, he's got a blind date, Vera, who's there as well, but she, you know, just... She likes him as a friend, essentially, in this movie, more or less. It's just your basic, you know, the sort of thing that would happen to me. <laughs> it's just like, the hot girl doesn't want me. But it is what it is, and there's a couple of stoners there. Chuck and Chili, and uh, after running the man named Abel, he turns up once again. You're all doomed. Of course, he lands in the middle of it and he goes through his whole spiel of what I've seen him doing before, and uh, he gets killed in this movie. Um, yes, uh, these guys they meet Chris's boyfriend Rick at the destination, um, at a convenience store. Shelly and Vera get into a confrontation with a couple of bikers, uh, Ali, Fox and Lugo. Shelly gets into the car and accidentally knocks down their motorbikes. Uh, impressing Vera. Uh, yeah, he impresses Vera by doing this. Um, 
I should really make my notes a bit clearer. Like I wrote down their names, but I can't recall what the some of the characters' faces are to the names. So forgive me if I trip over my own feet here and there during this little chat. Um, yeah, the beggar's unhappy, so uh, later on they show up at Higgins Haven. Uh, they pump the, the the fuel out of the the gang's van and attempt to burn down the barn on the property to get back at them for wrecking the motorbikes. Um, yeah, Jason, of course he's hiding in the barn and he murders a fox and logo with uh, a pitchfork before beating Ali unconscious. And that night, of course, Chris and Rick head out into the woods. Uh, Chris reveals that she was attacked by a deformed man two years prior. So we're getting into the usual storyline about, you know, something happened to me here once and it might happen again. I'm afraid. I'm terrified. And for some weird reason in these movies, like, there's a certain point where somebody does something so stupid that you're just thinking, all right, Jason gets hold of you. You deserve all you get. But uh, yes, they're having a chat out here and his car sitting there with the engine turned off and the headlights turned on. So of course when he goes to start the car, it won't start for him. So uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, she's talking about this attack by a deformed man, which prompted her to leave Crystal Lake in the first place. And the main reason she's returned is to confront her fears and escape whatever trauma she's going through. But uh, back at the, the house in Higgins Haven, Shelley scares Vera with a hockey mask. The hockey mask! Makes it his parents and this guy. And she's not happy. She disappears off out. And he wanders off into the barn where uh, he gets his throat slashed by, by Jason. I was going to say Freddy there. But no, Freddy's not in this movie. Jason is. Um, Jason takes the mask, puts it on to conceal his face. Of course, as we know him as. Uh, the first time, halfway through the, right about halfway through this movie, you see Jason and the mask for the first time. He emerges from the barn, and Vera, who uh, still has Shelley's wallet on her, manages to drop it under the dock, and... Uh, she jump, jumps in, well, doesn't jump in, she wades into the water to get it. And she's like, you Shelley, I found your wallet. At which point she's uh, shot through the eye with a spear gun by our Jason. Jason goes into the house uh, <laughs> and slices in half uh, half stand Andy with a machete. Uh, half stand, hand stand. My handwriting is it's brittle. I used to get uh, praises and awards for it back in primary school. I have genuinely beautiful handwriting. Has to be said, I'm going to blow a lot of sunshine up my own ass about my handwriting. It's flipping fantastic. But when I'm in a panic, that's terrible. That's that bad. You would think I was a doctor. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, this guy, he's walking about the house doing a handstand. And uh, yeah, Jason takes on them. And uh, sort of slices him down the middle with a uh, machete. Uh, 
has a girlfriend, Debbie. She's on the shore. And she's resting in a hammock. And uh, not knowing that Jason is in the load. So he thrusts a knife up through her chest. Uh, yeah. Power goes out in the house. Chuck goes down the stairs to the basement. Only for Jason to hurl him into the fuse box. Electrocuting him. Uh, Chili finds that everyone else is dead. And is then impaled with a hot fire poker yeah so you know Jason just goes to town and everybody in this movie and uh, yeah Rex Carr of course dies because he, the clown had it turned off with the headlights left on and uh, Chris and Rick are forced to walk back to the house only to find it sort of a in pieces well you know untidy and uh, nobody's there Rick steps outside to search the grounds but of course, Jason pops up once again, crushes a skull, which is a fairly good effect in this movie. Um, yeah, he makes one of his eyes pop out of its sockets. Yeah, it's uh, getting into the the territory of, uh, you know, bit of a better budget here. We're going to try and make it a little bit more gorier. But for me, you know, some... Uh, some of the stuff as gory as it is in this movie, I don't think it was just quite as good as the per- previous two. Uh, Jason then attacks Chris. She narrowly escapes the house, tries to flee in the, the van, which of course isn't going to get too far because the bikers from earlier on siphoned the fuel out of it on her. And it runs out of fuel and she has to make a run for it. And she makes her way back to the barn to hide, but Jason turns up attacks her again uh, Chris strikes Jason over the head with a shovel and manages to hang him and one of the, the beggars actually makes another appearance he got knocked the heck out earlier on and he comes back again for Jason and uh, yeah gets taken out um, Jason is hung from the barn essentially at the end of it but he regains consciousness and temporarily removes his mask in order to get free from the noose which causes Chris to recognise him as the same man who attacked her two years prior a still living alley tries to attack Jason but Jason quickly finishes him off as one of the beggars I was just talking about there this distraction allows Chris to strike Jason in the head with an axe and he staggers momentarily towards her before finally collapsing. Exhausted, Chris pushes a canoe out under the lake. Again, kind of mirroring the end of that first movie and falls asleep on it. She has nightmares of an unmasked Jason running towards her from the house before disappearing, which then turns into the decomposing body of Pamela Voorhees with her head attached emerging from the lake my English is terrible here I'm just reading that back and it just doesn't make any sense to my head whatsoever yeah so at the end of that first movie whenever the Jason pops up out of the water at the end of the movie at this time it's the mother comes up in this movie and tries to pull her in the following morning the police arrive and escort a traumatised Chris away from Higgins Haven. She's completely do-lolly at the end of the movie. Uh, driven insane by what's happened here. Jason's body is then shown still to be lying in the barn. Uh, and it goes and it shows the lake. And it's nice and calm at the end of it. So, you know, 
it is what it is. Like, I, I get the feeling watching these movies that every time they made one, they were making it with the the thought that it might be the last one, but they kind of left the door open there just in case. You know, all three of these movies could quite have easily been the last one and just left it at that. But they do leave that little back door open in there. But, uh, yeah, you think Jason's dead at the end of this movie. Which, yeah, never really is the case. So, some of the other information I've got here about the movie is, uh, you know, your basic budget, whatnot. 2.2 million budget, and uh, it made 32.7 million at the box office. So, they were popular, popular movies. And they still are now, 30 odd years later. Um, this came out in August 13th, 1982. Um, yeah, that was free, theatrically released in 3D. Now, forgive me, uh, it wasn't until I actually read that right now that it, it just all started coming back to me. Because, in, in all fairness, I was intending to get this podcast out last week. Uh, busy, busy week. Didn't get it done, but I had watched it the weekend prior, so it's been two weeks now since I actually watched it, and uh, this movie here is full of examples of people doing stuff, playing up to the camera to enhance that 3D effect, and uh, I said, you know, somebody had left a pole or something, and like, oh, what an amazing pole, and they'd like hold it towards the camera and whatnot, and you stupid stuff to get there, um... Yeah, but uh, 3D back in the day, I didn't actually get a, a chance to witness it in cinemas and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I think the only thing I did try to check out as far as 3D went was that death sequence in Freddy's Dead, or that whole sequence there, it was supposed to be enhanced by the 3D. But it was on television whenever I tried it, so it didn't work that well on TV. But, uh, you know, maybe in the cinema, might have worked better. I don't know. 3D kind of appeared and died a fairly swift death back in the, the 80s. And, you know, in all fairness, these days, like that, I can't recall the last time I heard someone talking about 3D these days. And, like, 3D was working. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, it's the only film in the series to be released in 3D. I can believe that. Like, I, I think the film suffers for it. I do, I really think the film suffers for it in a major way. It was intended to be the end of the series as a trilogy. Wow. So there's a bit of truth there. You know, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm literally checking out some of the notes here that I've, I'm getting on uh, Wikipedia. But, uh, you know, that stuff can be accurate and it could be inaccurate as well. Or inaccurate, whatever that big word is. Too late in the day for me to say things. But... <laughs> But yeah, it was intended to end the series as a trilogy, which makes sense, seeing uh, Jason's body the way it was at the end of the movie. However, unlike many of its successors, the film did not include the moniker and its title indicated as such. The film was released, and I just heard it myself there. Some people have uh, kind of pointed out the way uh, people in Northern Ireland say film. It's like F-A-L-U-M. It's like film. It's just, it's weird the way we see it. Um, yeah, so I just heard it now. Uh, it was released August 13th, 82. 
grossing 36.7 million at the US box office on a budget of 2.2 million. Received negative reviews from the critics, I can believe that. It was the first film to remove E.T. from the number one box office spot and became the second highest growing horror film of 1982 behind Poltergeist. That's one we need to do in this show at some point. Um, it has the third most attendance for a Friday the 13th franchise and approximately uh, a mess load of tickets sold. <laughs> Uh, it was followed by Friday the 13th for the final chapter um, yeah so we're going to have to get into that uh, next week um, yeah the the opening of the thing here it had a kind of like a a tie into the previous movie a wee bit um, the, the original storyline for this movie was um, hold on I just got Yeah, just got sidetracked on our little note there. Um, yeah, this is interesting. The original storyline for Friday the 13th Part 3 was supposed to focus on a post-traumatic Gina Field who began learning self-defense and returned to college after surviving her ordeal in the previous movie. Um, after finding Paul's corpse inside her dormitory, she prepares to track down... Jason and face him in a final confrontation. However, this concept was abandoned when Amy still declined to reprise her role. So there you go, some interesting information on Friday the thirteenth part three. But you know, for me, um I'm enjoying them. Like don't get me wrong, I'm not a huge, huge fan of this series. But uh it is what it is, you know, it started off with a the Nightmare on Elm Street, and like you know, obviously we're going to have to do these movies before we do the Freddy versus Jason movie. But uh, yeah, I'm going to make my way through these here, and uh, it's just an education for me. It really is. Um, classic, classic movies that there's a lot of love for in the horror world. But it has to be said too that I'm not the biggest horror fan on the face of the planet. And as part of the reason why I started this podcast was to get myself to delve deeper into horror movies and whatnot. Because you know, like, um, these sorts of ones that were, let's just say, more adult in a way, um, everything up to this point for me, whenever I was a kid, jumping in and out of horror movies, was, you know... The Hammer movies. They were adult enough, but they were kind of family-friendly as well, especially by today's standards. Like, they're they're not graphic, really, most of them. And, uh, of course, you've got The Hammer House of Horror as well. So, you know, I'm just... I'm, I'm enjoying checking out this stuff and getting into the more, more of the, the classic scary stuff that uh, I was never allowed to watch as a kid. Like, most of the... the the, the horror movies I would have seen as a child and even in my younger teenage years was stuff that I would come across while channel hopping late at night when I should have been sleeping but uh, you know I grew up in the 80s I was born, in, that's, that's crazy if you think about it, I'm a kid of the 70s essentially even though I was born in 79 it was the very start 
of 79 so it was alive in the 70s so it just freaks me out just how old I am at times but uh, yeah there wasn't that many channels on television back in the day back in the early 80s so you had what I can remember there would have been three television channels back at the beginning then we got channel 4 I remember that been launched and uh, yeah so anything I seen I came across when I shouldn't have been watching them, so it's going to be interesting just to get on and check out some of the the stuff that I've always heard about, but never actually properly sat down and checked out up until starting this podcast. So if you're enjoying the journey and just hanging out with me, I'm talking a little bit of horror with a lot with some more mainstream stuff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you're into all that sort of stuff and you're enjoying it, please let me know. Hit that email, hellmouthhotline at gmail. Dot com. Let me know your thoughts. Follow the show. Share it along with anybody that you think would be interested in checking it out. And uh, yes, until Monday, that's going to do it, guys. So have a great weekend. Whatever you're doing, hope you're staying safe. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening. That was a bit of a big gap before I hit that outro, so let's try it again. I'll talk to you on Monday, guys. Stay safe. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening. That was better.